0: What up, Sam? It's the Tale of the Tapes! The Fuck Life! Sam? Tale of the Tapes, Season 2, Episode 34. Yet another amazing fall day today. Windows open again. Last week I had to cut my episode in half and then come back to it because literally three minutes in. The neighbor decided he was going to leaf blow his entire one acre property as soon as I decided to record my podcast. And I only had a limited amount of time because the girls were at dance and that's when I record the podcast. So it was a tough scenario, but we got it done. Let's see if I can make it to summer break without ever shutting this window. So on today's episode of Tale of the Tapes, we have the Notorious B.I.G. and Craig Mack. So ironically enough, both of these guys were signed to the same label at the same time and were released within a week of each other. And now are being covered on the same episode of my podcast almost 30 years later. So as far as my personal experiences with these two go, I actually have a bit to say when it comes to Biggie, but probably not what most people think that I'm going to say. So... Obviously, it's pretty widely known that Biggie is often regarded as one of, if not the greatest rapper of all time. Personally, I never had any major disagreements with this, but didn't necessarily say it myself. So, if people ask me, and and I was given my top guys or whatever, obviously, prior to this study, I didn't have any facts or anything to go by. I was just going off my opinion of who I thought was the best, but Biggie would not have been on the top of my personal list, But I've heard Biggie on the top of almost everybody else's list, and I never really had any arguments with it. If somebody says Big is number one, I don't really argue with him. So I enjoyed Biggie's music and absolutely love both of his albums. Both of his albums are in my top 25 favorite hip-hop albums of all time. Um, So again, I, I enjoy Biggie's music. But all that being said, Tupac was always my favorite rapper of all time. And with all that went on between the two, it was very hard to probably give Biggie the credit that he may have deserved from me personally. Now, I was never one of those people who thought that you had to pick one or the other. I loved both dudes' music, but as a person, Pac was just on another level to me, and I had to ride with him. So again, I still fucked with Biggie, but my love for Pac could have possibly clouded my judgment somewhat. It's also been said many times by people that, yes, Biggie was amazing, but you can't be the greatest rapper of all time with only two albums. So we're going to put all those theories to the test here today. As far as Craig Mack goes, I honestly knew nothing of Craig Mack until probably around when I graduated high school in like 2003. So obviously not much there for me to speak on with Craig Mack. So with all that out of the way, Let's actually get into some facts and info on these guys and break down these two artists. Both of these guys had their debut albums out in 1994, but we'll start with Biggie as his was out the week before Craig Max. The Notorious B.I.G., born Christopher George Latour Wallace, May 21st, 1972, in New York City, United States. Died March 9th, 1997, in Los Angeles, California, United States. Other names, Biggie Smalls, Biggie... Frank White and Big Papa. Years active 1992 to 1997 and his genres are listed as hip-hop, gangster rap and east coast hip-hop. So let's read up on a background of Big here before we get into anything that I personally had to say on him. Christopher George Latour Wallace, May 21st 1972 to March 9th 1997, better known by his stage names The Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls or Simply Biggie was an American rapper and songwriter. Rooted in the New York rap scene and gangster rap traditions, he is widely considered one of the greatest rappers of all time. Wallace became known for his distinctive, laid-back lyrical delivery, offsetting the lyrics' often grim content. His music was often semi-autobiographical, telling of hardships and criminality, but also of debauchery and celebration. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York City, Wallace signed to Sean Puffy Combs label Bad Boy Records as it launched in 1993 and gained exposure through features on several other artists' singles that year. His debut album Ready to Die in 1994 was met with widespread critical acclaim and included his signature songs Juicy and Big Papa. The album made him the central figure in East Coast hip-hop and restored New York's visibility at a time when the West Coast hip-hop scene was dominating hip-hop music. Wallace was awarded the 1995 Billboard Music Awards Rapper of the Year. The following year, he led his protege group, Junior Mafia, a team of himself and longtime friends including Little Kim to chart success. During 1996, while recording his second album, Wallace became ensnalled in the escalating East Coast-West Coast hip-hop feud. Following Tupac Shakur's death in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas in September of 1996, Speculations of involvement in Shakur's murder by criminal elements orbiting the bad boys circle circulated as a result of Wallace's public feud with Shakur. On March 9, 1997, six months after Shakur's death, Wallace was murdered in a drive-by shooting while visiting Los Angeles. The assailant remains unidentified. Wallace's second album, Life After Death, a double album, was released two weeks later. It reached number one on the Billboard 200 and eventually achieved a diamond certification in the United States. With two more posthumous albums released, Wallace has certified sales of over 28 million copies in the United States, including 21 million albums. Rolling Stone has called him the greatest rapper that ever lived, and Billboard named him the greatest rapper of all time. The Source Magazine named him the greatest rapper of all time in its 150th issue. In 2006, MTV ranked him at number three on their list of the greatest MCs of all time, calling him possibly the most skillful ever on the mic. In 2020, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So rest in peace to Biggie, man. I got chills reading some of that. Obviously a lot there, and I don't think that any of that comes as a surprise, really. Um... It's a double-edged sword to talk about instances like Big Al and Biggie and people like that because, no, they weren't afforded the opportunity to grow as people and artists and pile up classic albums and stuff like that. But the fact that they were able to make such a huge impact in such a short amount of time with such a small body of work obviously says something in itself we've covered some artists who have had 20 plus year careers who I've had trouble digging up one paragraph about. Here we have a man whose career was three to five years and has multiple paragraphs, accolades, a diamond album, and is very widely revered by not only the general public, but multiple credible sources as the greatest rapper of all time. So, Needless to say, impressive stuff there from Biggie, no question. Like I said, rest in peace to Big, man, for sure. And now let's get into some of my notes that I took down on Biggie. Biggie is another one who is constantly brought up as one of the best rappers of all time. Lyrically, I would have to disagree. While he was well above average, he was certainly not the best ever. He did show versatility with being able to come hard, drop bars, tell stories, get deep, etc., but he also rhymed words just to rhyme words a lot, and he took a lot more shortcuts than I think people realize. The reason I don't think most people realize how often he did this is mostly because he did certainly have a lot of dope lines and stole your attention and masked the technical mishaps. That being said, I'm also not sure if people realize how many lines he borrowed, particularly from Big Daddy Kane, amongst others. Where Big did shine more than most was with his albums. He only had two, but one was a classic, and the other one was a borderline classic. Out of his 41 songs, 11 of them were great, 22 of them were good, and he never dropped a single weak song. More than 25% of his songs were great, and another 50% were good. Some people have trouble making average songs in place of a lot of weak ones, this man had trouble making an average song because almost all of them were good or better. His impact on hip-hop rains heavy on the high majority and probably won't fade for a long time from now. On top of that, he had clear musical influences on Lil' Kim, Fabulous, Beanie Sigel, LL Cool J, KRS-One, MC Ren, Shaq, Redman, Master Ace, Master P, Prodigy, Havoc, Jay-Z, Slick Rick, 50 Cent, Big Mike, Ice Cube, and believe it or not, many, many others. He also appears to be one of the most repeated, sampled, and quoted rappers of all time next to maybe Slick Rick. While in some ways Biggie was for the most part your typical New York rapper, he did have a great delivery, unique voice, and certain appeal about him, as well as a fair amount of original song ideas. So let's get into the math here for Biggie and see how this worked out for him. Lyrics, he gets a six and a half. So like I spoke about, man, I I, I want to talk about this for a second because six and a half is a good score, okay? it's I'm not trying to shit on Big or I'm not trying to shit on anybody that got a six and a half lyrically. There are not that many guys still, even up to the point that I'm up to and I'm, I'm pretty far ahead of where we are on the podcast, there still are not that many guys that get six and a halfs or higher. So... I don't want to downplay that score at all. But I promise you Biggie is not the greatest lyricist of all time. And and not to be a dick, but he's not even really close. Now, again, I spoke about this. Biggie had a lot of really, really dope hard bars. Now, when you think about how many dope lines he had, and you think about he only had 41 songs, and he still had all these dope lines. So it was very, very often that Biggie dropped some sort of dope metaphor or hard punch line or whatever the case was. So I don't want to take that away from him. He did that often. But he also took a decent amount of lines, like I said, particularly from Big Daddy Kane, but there were some other people. So some of those really, really hard bars that people run around quoting a lot are actually not even Biggie's lines. They're Big Daddy Kane's lines. That's not to say all of Biggie's lines that were dope were from Big Daddy Kane or from anybody else for that matter. But with only 41 songs, the amount of lines that he took from Kane and a couple of other people, it was, it was a little bit surprising. And what surprised me also about it was I, too, was under the assumption that these were Biggie's dope lines. And then when I got into this study, I started hearing Big Daddy Kane say this in 86, 87, 88, 89, I'm like, that's Biggie said that. Biggie said that. Biggie said that too, and then I started to realize, okay, Big Daddy Kane was pretty dope, because we all say Biggie's one of the greatest rappers of all time, but a lot of these dope lines he had were from Big Daddy Kane, so shout out to Big Daddy Kane, I just want to give him credit for that real quick, but I also want to talk about something else. Yes, Biggie had a lot of dope lines, but I want you to think about this. Let's say you're dead and gone, you're removed from planet Earth, and you're able to look back at everything that's ever gone on, and there are no lies, nothing's hidden, all truth, right? And you look back, I pick a sport, whatever, baseball, right? And you say, okay, who has the home runs record? I don't even know who has the home runs record. Maybe it's Mark McGuire, maybe it's Barry Bonds, maybe it's uh Sammy Sosa, maybe it's none of those people, and I'm retarded. I don't know, because I don't watch baseball, but I do know this. I remember this steroid scandal, okay? Now... You can make claims, you can catch people, people could get away with it, yada yada, right? Remove all of that. I'm talking about if we knew for a fact, okay, like I said, you're dead and gone, or let's say God comes here and reveals all to you, right? I'm making these numbers up and I'm making these names up, but I just want to make a point. You got Mark McGuire here, he hit 700 career home runs, right? And then you have Babe Ruth who hit 613 home runs. But Mark Maguire took steroids to do it and Babe Ruth didn't. There's a million factors here. Well, were the pitchers that were pitching to Mark Maguire on steroids too? Because if they were, then it was an even playing field. So trust me, I've thought into this a lot. And that is a fair statement. But I want to just make a point and say no. Let's say no. Let's say the pitchers are not on steroids. Let's say it's the same caliber of people that are pitching to Mark Maguire that were pitching to Babe Ruth. But Babe Ruth was natural and Mark Maguire was on steroids. It's got to at least have an asterisk, right? That doesn't mean that Mark McGuire couldn't have hit 700 home runs had he not taken steroids. But guess what? We'll never know now because you took him and Babe Ruth didn't need to take him. Or let's say they hit the same amount of home runs or very close to the same amount of home runs. Let's say 690 and 700. You You might be more impressed by the guy that didn't need to cheat to get that amount of home runs. Okay, maybe you're not. Maybe you don't care. And if that's the case, then I can't really help you or maybe this is a bad example. But the point I'm trying to make is there are so many rappers, even that I've gone through so far, that have a tremendous amount of dope lines. I don't think anybody questions that. I'm sure people know that there are plenty of rappers out there. You know, Jay-Z, Eminem, uh, Cannabis, so many dope people that are dope lyricists that have, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of really, really sick lines but might not have taken shortcuts to use them. Okay, so you have to keep everything into you have to take everything into consideration and the fact that biggie so often had to use these shortcuts in order to drop these dope lines he has to lose a little bit there okay now with all these shortcuts and stuff like that again biggie still finishes well above average so that actually goes to show you just how many dope fucking lines he had it was a lot It was every other bar with Biggie or every couple of bars. It was a dope line. But I just don't think that people are acknowledging how often he took so many shortcuts to do these things and how often some of those lines were not necessarily his own. So again, I don't say this to shit on Biggie. That's a very good score lyrically. Biggie was a well above average lyricist for sure. So again, not trying to shit on him. But not the greatest of all time, and there are reasons why. And if you're going to just absolutely ignore these things and have a bias, then that's fine. You can have that, but these are the facts. These are the things that Biggie did. I'm here to report them, and it is what it is. So, Albums, he gets a 6.93 with one classic, which, like I said, the other one was a borderline classic. So if somebody wants to sit here and say, bro, you're bugging both of Biggie's albums with classics... I will have absolutely no argument to give you. That's totally fine. Anything that's that close like that, I will not argue with you. You know, one song grade, one little minor difference here and there could have made that little one point difference where it was a 2.1 instead of a two and it got that extra point for a classic. So, you know, Biggie. Could be moved up a tiny little bit from where he is, arguably, but a very, very small amount. I'm not even sure that it would actually move him any places. It would just change his score by, like, probably a a .05 or something like that. So very, very minuscule, but wouldn't argue with somebody that wanted to make that argument, but... Two classic albums or not, I mean, that album score is just absolutely fucking ridiculous. So, you know, I spoke about in the breakdown that Biggie really separated himself with his albums. And, you know, we don't know what he would have done going forward, but this is what he did. And the work that he put out when he was here was absolutely fucking tremendous. Songs, he gets a plus 2.7. Not a plus 0.27, but a plus 2.7. Crazy. We, We talk about all the time... If anyone gets near plus or minus a whole point on this song score, that's where it starts to get pretty dramatic. Not only does Biggie get plus a whole point, Biggie gets over two whole points and is very close to three whole points, which is absolutely insane. That means almost a third of his music was great music. So absolutely retarded numbers there for Biggie when it comes to songs and albums. Impact, nine and a half. Again... There's just no question about this whatsoever. And I'm going to tell you right now bottom line, the only reason that Biggie doesn't get a 10 in this category is a small body of work, which very hardly factors into this at all, but it is there. And the fact that we don't know what somebody is going to do in 20 or 50 years from now that may separate themselves from Biggie and they may deserve a 10. If Biggie already has a 10, that's where the ceiling is. There's no room for anybody to do anything better, which is obviously not realistic. We never know what time will bring. So just based on that, Biggie doesn't get a 10. But if it weren't for that, Biggie probably would have got a 10. I mean... I want to say 75% of the hip hop community has this guy in their top three, if not more, or if not just the top rapper of all time. Um, he's obviously a household name. I would say even the majority of people outside of the hip hop community would probably put Biggie as one of the top rappers of all time. The list of, of artists that this guy has fucking influence is just tremendous. I mean, there's probably 50 names on there. A lot of really, really big names, um, Biggie's been sampled countless number of times by almost everybody. Um, he's been quoted countless number of times. He, you know, his people have took lines from him countless number of times. Um, so many, so many other rappers, magazines, CEOs, uh, record execs, all these people, almost all of them have Biggie number one, number two, number three on their list. So again, does that make Biggie number one? No, it doesn't, but it's very clear the enormous impact that this dude had. And the fact that he did this in just a couple of years with two albums just makes it even more mind boggling. So huge shout out to Biggie there for sure that nine and a half. Well, well deserved. And then originality, he gets a six. So originality, it was a little bit of give and take for Biggie. Um, you know, so much about him was was so typical New York. Not only just typical New York, but typical New York hip-hop and just typical hip-hop in general. And I'm not trying to shit on Biggie, um, but, you know, just from the, the mecca of hip-hop from New York City and just was very New York City to the heart, you know, um, Tim's a lot of times. Um, his, his image did get a little bit more original as time went on. He started to do a little bit more kind of like a Don type of look with, you know, uh, mink coats and, and canes and glasses and things like that. So, you know, a little bit more Donish, pimpish type look going on there for Big. Not really how he came out, so you can kind of look at that two different ways. You can look at it as Biggie kind of changing his style. Is he trying to sell more records? Is he, you know, selling out, whatever? Or is he trying to set a trend? Um you know, I, I, Biggie certainly wasn't the first person to wear Minx or, or you know, walk around with a cane. I mean, we had Slick Rick who had the eye patch and he wore minks and, and, you know, robes and capes and shit like that. So, um, you know, I don't want to make it sound like Biggie was the first to come out with this stuff, but a little bit more original, I think, later on. Not in the sense that, that he came up with it, but more in the sense that he started to dress and look A little bit different than what the majority of people were wearing and looking like. Um, His sound in general was typical East Coast. But he was able to salvage that with a lot of really original song ideas and stuff like that. And he he told a lot of good stories and stuff like that. So I I don't want to make it sound like his content was unoriginal. Because his content definitely wasn't unoriginal. He just had a very typical east coast hip-hop sound which again i'm not knocking that i'm just trying to point out both sides of defense where biggie was a little typical but still a little original and then the reason he's carried up to a six because most of that stuff that i named kind of evens each other out but biggie still finishes with a six you know above average for originality which was mostly carried by like i said his song topics and content um, his flow, his delivery, his voice, things like that. That stuff was certainly very original so Biggie was able to keep himself above average there in originality. He gets a 6. You add all those 5 numbers up plus the point for the classic score and you divide by 5 and you get a final rating of 6.52 which leaves Biggie tied for 11th place of 182 artists done overall. Yay! So Not quite the finish that most other people seem to give big, but obviously still an amazing finish. It's just that he's number one on a lot of lists and probably top five in like 90% of other lists. Here, the math just doesn't add up that way for him. And again, I just want this to be a testament of just how ridiculously tough this entire thing is and is getting and how to finish in these top 25 spots or so you're really going to have to not only dominate pretty much every single category, but have a decent amount of classic albums on top of it as well, no question. So, all things considered, again, I have to reiterate, no, we don't know what Biggie would have done had he not passed. But he did, and we can only go by what's here, and with no bias, quite frankly, yes, it would probably be nearly impossible For someone to be the greatest rapper of all time, having only had two albums. I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's so extremely difficult that I'm going to label it as almost impossible. So I say that to say this, the fact that Biggie accomplished what he did in such a short span of time and not only finished this high overall, but had this high of an impact score with only two albums is pretty mind-blowing in itself, honestly. So... Major shout out to Biggie for sure. I'm personally a big fan of pretty much everything he's ever released. So rest in peace for sure to Biggie, man. Gone way too soon. I really would have loved to see what Biggie could have supplied for us years down the line. Obviously, unfortunately, we had that stripped from us. But rest in peace to Big man. And now on to Craig Mack. Born Craig Jamison Mack, May 10th, 1970 in the Bronx, New York City, United States. Died March 12, 2018 in Walterboro, South Carolina, United States. His years active are listed as 1988 to 2006 and 2012 to 2018. His genres are listed as hip-hop, hardcore hip-hop, and East Coast hip-hop. So a lot of eerie similarities just right there already between Biggie and Craig Mack. I mean, these guys were signed right around the same time, dropped within a week of each other on the same podcast here today with each other and almost died on the same fucking day. I mean, that's crazy. This is, this shit like this blows my mind, bro. Like what are the fucking odds of something stacking up like that? I mean, seriously. And what is this? The 10th time now we're on, you know, less than a hundred episodes total, I would say. And 10 times, I would say there's been these absolutely insane, ironic coincidences. Like that's 10% of our episodes. So not only do I, I I love seeing that shit, but I really am mind-boggled by it, bro. I mean, I don't know how some of these things happen like this, but let's get into a little bit of a background on Craig Mack now. Craig Jamison Mack, May 10th, 1970, to March 12, 2018, was an American rapper and record producer. He helped build the foundation for Bad Boy Records, one of hip hop's most influential labels. Born in the Bronx, but raised in Long Island. Craig Mack began rapping as a teenager under the name MC Easy and released one single in 1988, "Just Rhymin'," backed with "Get Retarded" as part of MC Easy and Troop. Mack then became friends with fellow Long Island hip-hop act APMD and eventually went on tour with the duo doing jobs as a roadie. After a few years without forward movement in his recording career, Mac took advantage of an opportunity to rap for Sean Combs and secured a record deal with Combs' newly founded label, Bad Boy. Mac is best known for his 1994 hit, Flavor In Your Ear. So first of all, we obviously gotta say rest in peace to Craig Mack, man, and not that far removed from his death at this point, only three years ago or so. Two artists sharing an episode here today that are no longer with us, unfortunately, but just touching on Craig Mac's background there. Again, this kind of perfectly echoes my personal experience with Craig Mack, as that seems to happen most times, ironically enough. Um, Nothing too crazy or major here, just a bit of background info on how he got started, and then him signing to Bad Boy to release his biggest hit. So, moving on to my synopsis of Craig Mack. I knew of Craig Mack, but only really flavor in your ear. I had never heard any of his other albums or music at all, really. Most of Craig Mack's rhyme seemed to be totally random, and he was inconsistent with his bars. He had some sneaky dope lines, but also had a bunch of weak ones. At times, he would rhyme a lot of words per bar, and at other times, he wouldn't rhyme at all. Overall, he was average lyrically. Craig Mack has a very small body of work, only dropping two albums, both of which were borderline good slash average. He only put out 25 songs in total, and all of them were average except one good one. Craig Mack's impact on hip-hop certainly wasn't a long or huge one. Having been signed to a major label that was on fire at the time, and not really having too much commercial success isn't a good case to make for him either, although he did influence Cormega. For the most part, Craig Mack was pretty original, especially with his voice, rhyme style, and message. So again, you know, eerily similar to Biggie, only the two albums and stuff like that, which is odd because Craig Mack was alive for way longer than Biggie, but just so many similarities between these two guys, it's fucking weird. Um, let's get into the math on Craig Mack and see how that added up for him. Lyrics, he gets a five. Like I spoke about, he was kind of all over the place, and you have to understand, only 25 songs, so I mean... For Craig Mack to really get anywhere in 25 songs would have been a bit difficult. That's another thing to point out about Biggie, too, is 6.5 in the lyric score, right? But climbed all the way up to a fucking 6.5 in only 40-something songs. So, very impressive stuff there. Craig Mack, only 25 songs, was a bit all over the place. Um, You know, just had times where he rhymed a lot of words per bar, times where he didn't rhyme at all. Um, Some dope lines, some weak lines, stuff like that. So... All that stuff evened each other out, and he finished with an average score lyrically overall. Albums, he gets a 3.47 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a zero, as we spoke about. No great songs, no weak songs, so he gets a zero there. Not a lot of songs in total in general, but no great ones, no weak ones. Impact, he gets a a 4.5, which is the same score that probably 75% of our artists that we've covered in 1994 have gotten. We see kind of the same thing here with Craig Mack that we've seen with a lot of the other people. Um, They had some sort of success. You know, they're known. They're not really like super well known. They're not a household name. Um, Usually had maybe one or two singles or one or two albums that were successful. Never really able to sustain the success and things like that. So, you know, you get that four and a half just below average because the success was there. But we have to acknowledge that you really weren't able to sustain it or, or do anything with it. Originality, Craig Mack gets a 7. I mean, there really wasn't, you know, again, 25 songs, 2 albums. You know, the fact that he even got a 7 was was pretty solid. Um, he didn't really take anything from anybody, which had a little bit to do with it. But I mean, in 25 songs, how much were you really going to take from other people? But, um... You know, original voice, rhyme style, and just the things that he kind of spoke about, like his overall message and his point of view on things was a bit different from the norm. So he gets a 7. Pretty good score there for originality. You add all those five numbers up, and you divide by 5, and you get a final rating of 3.99, which puts Craig Mack tied for 131st place of 182 artists done overall. And I believe that's tied with lauren hill who we covered not too long ago on here always interesting to me to see things like that like you know when somebody said give me your your list of rappers first of all i mean would you even may have made it down to 131 names i mean can you really even think of 131 rappers right away off the top of your head probably not you you probably know over 250 of them but to really just think of people like that off the top of your head is probably not realistic So to even consider who you would even have in 131st place is probably absurd because I don't know that anybody would really know that off the top of their head. And then to, to match up these two people where it's like, ah, you know what? I got Craig Mack and Lauren Hill tied at 131st place. It's like, where the fuck did you pull those two random ass names out that you got these people tied at 131st place, a mad random spot. So, it's always interesting for me to see shit like that, but... You know, not a great finish for Craig Mack, but could be worse, and quite frankly, I'm not sure how high people have Craig Mack on their list, so... I don't know that this is a major surprise to anyone, and I, I don't say that to shit on Craig Mack at all, because he certainly wasn't bad, he got an average score lyrically. I just don't ever remember ever hearing anyone bring his name up when you talk about lists or, you know, greats or anything like that, so... Now let's get into our list that we finally have some damn changes to today. So we're still in 1994. We're going to stick with our top 15% overall and start off with that. In our top spot, we got Nas, who's in 5th place of 182 artists done overall. Behind him in 10th place is Black Thought of The Roots. Directly behind Black Thought we have a tie between Tupac and Biggie, who are actually in a three way tie for 11th place. Behind them, tied for 15th, we have Faro Manch. And behind him, we have KRS1, who's in 18th. Behind KRS in 22nd is Jizza. And a couple of slots back from Jizza is Slick Rick, who's in 24th. A couple of slots back from Slick Rick in 26th is Rakim. And directly behind Rakim is Redman, who's in 27th. Directly behind Redman in 28th is Common. And a couple of slots back from Common is MF Doom, who's in 30th. Couple slots back from MF Doom in 32nd is Rev Run from Run DMC. And directly behind Rev Run is LL Cool J, who's in 33rd. Couple slots back from LL in 35th is Will Smith. And directly behind Will Smith is Crazy Bone of Bone thugs and harmony who's in 36th place. Directly behind Crazy Bone in 37th is Lazy Bone of Bone thugs and harmony And directly behind him is Sticky Fingers of Onyx, who's tied for 38th place. A couple of slots back from Sticky, we have a tie between DMC and Ice Cube, who are both tied for 40th place of 182 artists done overall. So finally, after over a month, we now have a new person not only sliding into our top 15% overall, but finishing super high in it. And I have to talk about something here real quick. How insane is it that fucking Tupac and Biggie finished in a dead tie down to the 100th decimal place? You can literally just ask the age-old question to anyone, and they'll answer. Biggie or Tupac? Of course, my heart said Tupac, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to be willing to answer this question ever again. Quite frankly, I'm astonished by this. Two dudes from two different coasts with completely different styles and different scores in almost every category who beef with each other And we're both killed, finishing in an exact tie in this study. I can't get over it. And I don't want to spoil anything or give too much away, but wait till you see who they're tied with. Because although it's not quite as insane as this, it's pretty ironic itself. So you'll have to stay tuned and see who that is. It's not all that far away. So... Now, let's get into our current top 10% lyrically, and again, we finally have a change to this list today as well. So in our top spot, we have a three-way tie between Farrow Monch, Black Thought, and Nas, who all got lyrical scores of 8.5. Behind them, we have another three-way tie for fourth place between Master Ace, Jizza, and Common. They all received lyrical scores of 7.5. Behind them, in a tie for 7th place, is KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of 7, and then behind them, we have a 9-way tie for 9th place between Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, Lazy Bone of Bone thugs and harmony and Biggie, who all got lyrical scores of 6.5. So while Biggie does manage to crack the top 10% lyrically here, I don't necessarily think this is the finish that most people were expecting in this particular department. And I'm not going to lie, that's myself included. There were so many instances where I remembered Biggie having such dope lines. But then when I got to this study and broke the bars down, there were just so many shortcuts and other things like that. I was really shocked, but... A dope lyricist for sure, and nonetheless manages to crack the top 10% lyrically, so Biggie was definitely dope lyrically, but probably a bit overrated when you really dive into the technical aspects of it. Now let's get into our particular decades list, starting with our top 5 rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top 5 rappers to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rock Him, Rev Runner, Run DMC, and LL Cool J same names there as always remember them now on to our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far so your top five rappers to come out in the 90s thus far are nas black thought of the roots tupac and biggie and pharaoh Manch. so finally at long last after five weeks We do have an artist that is able to crack our ever elusive top five of the 90s. And unfortunately, that means that Jizza is now ousted from this list. But definitely shout out to the genius who was in that list for a very long time. And still remains nicely seated in both our top 15% overall and our top 10% lyrical list. So... Obvious shout out to Big who's able to slide into that number three slot there with Tupac. And we'll have to see if everyone is able to hold on to their respective slots as we approach the second half of the 90s here. Now let's get into our new list that we started this session of our top three artists from each region of the country. So we're going to start on the East Coast. Your top rapper to come out of the East Coast thus far is Nas from Queens, New York. In second place, Black Thought of The Roots from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And behind him, The Notorious B.I.G. from Brooklyn, New York. Moving across to our West Coast, your top rapper to come out of the West Coast thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. Behind him, we have Ice Cube of N.W.A. from Los Angeles, California. And behind him, Everlast, also from Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top rapper to come out of the south thus far is Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. Behind him, Big Boy of Outkast, also from Atlanta, Georgia. And behind him, Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Houston, Texas. Moving over to the Midwest, your top rapper to come out of the Midwest thus far is Common from Chicago, Illinois. Behind him, we have Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And behind him, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony and also from Cleveland, Ohio. So, Biggie makes an absolutely huge splash here today, cracking every single list that we have, except for the top five of the 80s, which he's obviously not eligible for. So,. Really impressive stuff here from Biggie today, for sure, for sure. Um, Biggest statement made so far since Nas a little over a month ago, so again, man, huge shout out to Biggie, rest in peace to the Notorious B.I.G. and Craig Mack, Biggie, an absolute legend, 100%, absolutely dominating stuff here today, even though I personally have a little bit of an inclination that people are going to give me shit for this, but Nonetheless, I really just want to give a shout-out to Big. Tremendous stuff here today across the board from him for sure. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash of the Tapes podcast. That's where you'll see all the lists and writing, the schedule of upcoming artists, and all things like that. Um, you can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash of the Tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On my host site, you will see a support button. Please do your boy Formzy a favor and tap tap tappity tap it. (laughs) And that'll do it for episode 34, man. Next week on Tale of the Tapes, we'll be covering Keith Murray and Tame One. So two very unique and original characters on this one, so this should be an interesting episode. Tale of the Tapes. Peace. Tale of the Tapes. Might as well Better off